Hey everybody, Ethan here. Today we're talking about Joker, and we discuss a lot of really important psychological issues. It's a fascinating episode, but what we don't talk about is how skinny Joaquin Phoenix got for this role and how he did it. He did it by eating 300 calories a day, and I know what you're thinking. That's impossible. That's not enough food. I would be so hungry. But I'm here to offer you some little snacks that are 300 calories a day. I've been doing it now for weeks, and it's just so easy. Today I had two full-fat mozzarella cheese sticks and a quarter cup of almonds. That's 300 calories, okay? I mean, that's a ton of food. <laughs> I'm full. Here's another one. A cup of 2% cottage cheese and a half cup of a banana. You gotta mash it up to, to measure that right. And and trust me, it's a ton of food. Wait, what if you're vegan, right? You don't want to have cottage cheese. You don't want to have mozzarella. You can just have three and a half cups of coconut popcorn. And that's it. You can have it for lunch or dinner or, well, you can't do both. But what about bagels? I love bagels. Well, no problem. You can have one sprouted whole grain bagel with one tablespoon of nut butter. It's unbelievable. So as you can see, there's a million options. It's actually a really easy diet. 300 calories a day, you'll shed those pounds, and you'll be looking like a hot, sexy joker in no time. Enjoy the program. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, and today we are talking about Joker. It's the highest grossing rated R film ever made, which I didn't know until this morning. Really? Very oh. surprising, yes. Wow. Uh, the two shocked people right in front of me I will introduce <laughs> right now. First of all, a comedian and writer, Danny Palumbo. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Danny, you're also a food writer. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I don't write, like, actual intelligent things. I, <laughs> I write... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what does that mean? I write about, like, chicken parmesan. Okay. Like, yeah, uh, it's not... But thank you so much. I, I will take... You're very welcome. And writer. I would prefer if half of this podcast was just about chicken parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> I love chicken parm. We can do it. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so before we get into that, I want to introduce our other guest. She is a journalist, a science communicator, and author, Kara Santa Maria. Hi. How's it going, Kara? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining us. You also have a podcast. In fact, you were telling me you have two podcasts. Yeah. So I I have a podcast, Talk Nerdy, where I interview scientists every week, um, or science writer, and then I'm also the fifth rogue. We call ourselves rogues Ooh. because we are massive nerds okay. on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. So that show's been around for, I think, 14 years now, which is yes. wild. Ancient bananas. for podcasts, yes. It's the dinosaur of podcasts. It yeah. is. And I've been on it for about five years with the guys. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. And you are also a field host for the reboot of Brain Games. Yes. Yeah, so on National correct? Geographic. Um, new show. I mean, old show, newly reimagined. Okay. Um, so hosted by Keegan Michael Key. I'm the field correspondent and I drop some science on the show. And awesome. then there's also uh, Lior Suchard, who is the master mentalist, as they call The him. master mentalist? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you have a cool title like that? I yeah. <laughs> my title awesome. is just nerd. Just... So, yeah, I mean, in my background, I, I have a master's in neuroscience. I, I was a working neuroscientist for, for several years. And now I've actually, years later, after doing all this work in science communication, decided to go back to school. And I'm a third-year PhD student in clinical psychology, okay. which I think is very relevant to this topic. Today. Yes. And, um, yeah, and I see patients. Am I the dumbest person in the room right now? Uh, no. That, okay. that is no. always me you think you got it? with a bullet. All Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. <laughs> Ask me about sports and your opinion will change. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's one of those things I feel like where maybe the more you know about sports, the dumber you are. I don't want to make that generalization. Yeah. I feel like that might be true. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. It's like, why do I know so many stats about basketball? It's not going to help me in life. Yeah. It's not going to help me learn or Same teach. Way about baseball. I bet you, though. Yeah. I, I bet you knowing those things has actually helped you secure a job before, has helped you make <sighs> friends. It's actually mm, been a yeah. good 
lubricant. But those friends suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These guys are idiots, man. <laughs> they are jerks. Um, okay, but yeah, we are talking about Joker today. I yes. had not seen this movie until yesterday. I think Danny the same. Same thing. Okay, yeah. and uh, what? how did you guys feel when you first saw the movie? I'll start with you guys. Did you enjoy the movie? Because it was very hyped. Yeah, it was so hyped. And then I heard some things from different people. Like a lot of people were like, you're going to love it. You're going to love it because of your background in science um, or psychology. Uh. And then I've heard from other people, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it because like all the incels really love this movie. And right. there's a whole thing around that. Yes. Um, so I was interested and I don't think it let me down. I think it's exactly what I expected it to be. Okay. It's nothing more, nothing less. Sort of. I think everyone kind of knew it would be a little uncomfortable. Right. right. I, I, I'm on Twitter all day. Like, I'm on the internet way too much. So, it's like, this movie kind of got ruined a little bit early on. I was like, I'm not going to see it because everyone has an opinion about it. Right. And I'm like, I would just rather think about something else. Chicken parm. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken parm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Sports stats. <laughs> uh, so, I was like, I'm, you know, and then I, I didn't watch it until you assigned it as homework. Yes. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I liked it. Even, you know, as a fan of, like, like even sort of like uh, uh, you know comic book movies and stuff and like Batman, I was like, oh, this is a good iteration of that. Yes, I, there were some things where I was like, oh, I I like what they did with like the Wayne family and like you sure. know like yeah. of course they would be rich assholes, you know, right? Like I, I kind of like that aspect of it, but uh, it may be very uncomfortable. Yes, um, a lot. Also. Um, huh, but, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I, I did enjoy it. I like movies uh, that make me feel a little uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. First off. And I think it has to be said that, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is really what carries this film, right? Yes. I mean, it, he was just absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Cannot take your eyes off him. Yeah. And yeah, I simultaneously was let down a little bit from the movie, but then also really excited and thought it was like super unique that this was a quote unquote, like superhero movie. Cause he's like yes. a villain in the superhero universe, but felt like a real movie. It felt like a real guy, real life, yep. dark you know gritty film and I hope that because it's so successful they keep making this kind of lower budget superhero movie right as opposed to sort of what Marvel did and like, yes th- see that's what I was thinking too is like well this is still better than like you know shoving another Marvel character down our throats right where like you know every step and beat that's gonna happen in the movie I'm like mm-hmm. at least this is challenging something yeah but you know to I mean? be fair I think the anti-hero character of Joker allows for that more than some of these other like yeah. if you have a superhero who has to be able to like fly mm-hmm. or like transform into a Hulk like I think you have to show people that in the movie and that's probably why so many comic book movies lend themselves to these like big budget sure. lots of CG right. and Joker didn't require that but like you guys I think that's why I liked it more because unlike you I actually like legit hate comic book movies it's not mm-hmm. I'm not really into fantasy films or like um, superhero films that much. I'm much more into like thinky, gritty. Like, and so I think this movie really sat well with me, but also I think because of that, it was like, it was good. Like it was good, but yeah. it wasn't like mind blowing to me because I watch movies like this all the time. Yeah, yeah, Whereas for people who expected a comic book movie, they were like, "What Whoa. is this?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I like Batman. Like he's grounded a little more in reality. Yeah, yeah. he's and, like a real dude who and, like doesn't have powers. Right, right. And Joker works as an origin story for Batman too, which yeah. is like which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah. although how, how that all what an together. idiot Batman uh, as a kid is. Yeah. He just lets a stranger <laughs> yeah. through yeah. a gate, put yeah. his fingers in his mouth and shit. Yes. They, did they teach him yes. nothing? Yeah. What was that scene? I couldn't believe that. I, I, well, how old was he again? Did I don't do 10, 10, 10, 8. <laughs> and, and, and we were like, why do we know yeah. exactly? Why do we know exactly? 10? But that's, his parents were also boy. not 
around, right? Yeah, like he was raised by him... like servants or something. You're like right. he doesn't really have a lot of social skills. That's yes. true. And I feel like that could explain like his disconnect a little bit. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. okay, so yeah, it makes it. Checks and also, out. he was lonely, right? And I think the whole thing was yeah. he was like, "I'm, I'm your brother." Like, I'm, I just made a massive yeah. spoiler. <laughs> oh no, the whole thing is spoiler. Oh, yeah. If you haven't That's seen Joker, literally wrong the podcast. spoileriest <laughs> of all the spoilers of the whole movie. Oh, we'll spoil the whole thing. Um, but yeah, like I think the kid was like, "No way!" Like I have somebody else. Like it's weird and interesting. Like let's be friends. I think I would instantaneously hate my brother if he put his fingers in my mouth. Though. I yeah. don't know, man. There's something about Joker. <laughs> There's something about Joaquin Phoenix that's like I'm very ambivalent about. Like right. you, he's you know a quote unquote monster. Of course he is. The horrible things yeah. that he does in the film. It's very easy to go, what a psychopath, and you know we'll get into what all those words mean and whether they're appropriate. But yeah. but there's also something very sad about him and yeah. something very human and I think there's a part of you that just wants to like make it better mm-hmm. absolutely and and in addition I mean he looks I mean he's, he's so skinny in the film mm, yeah. Right, I was yeah. and, and, and a little rough in the face a little bit you know but there was something I was thinking too which is like he does kind of have like kind of a kind face yeah. just just the way that he looks yes, yes. you kind of feel for him a little bit and, and uh, I've always uh, gravitated towards shy people yeah. And I think he also has that quality to him where it's like you just feel like you want him to win. You want people to treat him nicely. And it's yeah. like 99% of the people in this movie just crap on him. Yeah. And you just automatically, yeah, feel for him, which uh, which I also wanted to bring up. Do you think that that's like healthy or not because of the whole incel? You know, it's definitely making a comment on, you know, mass shooters and like American terrorism. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's right. like, are we does the movie paint him in that in a good light in in certain ways because obviously he's the bad guy in Batman but in this movie he's like the main character so you could kind of argue both ways a little yeah, bit yeah he's like the he's he he's an anti-hero right so right. he is the protagonist of this movie but he he plays that role of anti-hero and i think i think you have to approach that from two different perspectives so one is is it uh, ethical or is it um uh was it okay for them to portray a mentally ill um violent, ultimately, eventually, I should say, violent yeah. person in a very vulnerable way. Um, absolutely. I think that what this movie does really well is it helps you to empathize with people from all stripes of life and people who ultimately do commit crime, sure. But I think we have a tendency in our society to look at um, people in the criminal justice system as like evil right? instead of as um, people who are desperate or people who have had a series of significant life events who have led them into these circumstances. Yep. That said... Um, I I don't think that what this movie does is glorify this guy. If it did, I might agree that this is a dangerous thing for like the incel movement. Mm-hmm. Um, a, he doesn't actually commit any incel-related crimes in the film because right. you still never know what happened with the neighbor. Yeah, it could be his delusion. Yeah, that's the right. one right. thing that you that don't know ultimately what how it ends because they just leave it at that. Yeah. And so all of the crimes that he commits are actually towards other men and they don't propagate the the kind of anti-woman, you know, sex is a currency, you owe me sex um, right. mentality in the film, right. which is good. So <clears throat> if incels are identifying with it, they're identifying it with it in the sense that this is a a guy who's been, um, you know, treated like shit his whole life. He's a guy who's never really like had a chance, but they're not identifying with the anti-woman hatred, which thank God, because that would yes. be a totally different movie. Yes. And I think there would be much more. And that um, would kind of crystallize yeah, it a yeah, little yeah. bit too. Yeah. Like, well, that this is for sure mm-hmm. incel sort of Absolutely. behavior. It didn't strike me as any different than like a serial killer uh, origin story where it's like, you know, they kind of harp on like, but they had like a rough childhood. Yeah. yeah like that. Exactly. Kind of, so, so I wasn't viewing this as like, oh, this is like new information. Like we kind of right. know, we kind of know this. Yeah. Like, you know. There However, are, there are sections where it's like visually he's dancing and there's like the cool stadium music. And then there's like him like at yeah, the car and everybody's okay. cheering him on. He has this whole 
whole, you know, the city's behind him. Right. Yes. So I just, I, I felt like, I don't know, there was like a slippery slope situation a couple times. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Of kind of like, and and I mean, for good reason, because of course, I think a lot of the readings that have come out around this film um, have to do with the fact that there's like a violent crime, um, usually gun-related homicide or attempted homicide committed by a man in this country, like like daily. Yeah. Right? And so, and, and the same kind of motivations can be there. And so it's this, it's this kind of complicated picture of we want to understand why and we want to be able to exercise empathy without condoning this behavior, right? Mm -hmm. I want to get where these people are coming from so that we can help them sooner, so that we can be more yep. involved in rehabilitation. At the same time, we don't want to glorify this, yeah. um, but this isn't a news report, Right. This is art. A this movie. is a film. Yes. Um, and also, you know, I think that the important thing, have you guys seen this amazing show on Showtime called um, Active Shooter? No. 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 It's really an important show. They unfortunately cut mm. it short because I think the first air date was right around the big Las Vegas shooting, which was oh. like rocked our world, right? It was like one of the most yes. um, uh, terrible. Yeah, terrible. And so I think people were like, oh my God, the show's. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's a documentary series following big active shooter incidents and helping to really understand how the responses took place, what law enforcement could learn from them. Um, but it takes the approach in episode one of talking to the victims' families, and they really push for a an important change in how we report these kinds of violent events. Yeah, and, yeah. and they talk about the fact that, yes, it's important if we've identified the shooter, say their name once, and after that, call them the shooter. Yep. Do yes. not show their photo over and over again. Right. Do not give them what they wanted yeah, the out of this, which is yeah. to go down in history as the shooter. And so in that respect, right, because Joker is the antihero and we're, you know, we love him and yeah. people are cheering for him. They're all yeah. putting on the yes. mask and like... If somebody, a young guy who's feeling very slighted by life, you know, who's like has all those features of a developing potential killer um, sees this, is he going to see it as, oh, I could be like Joker? Yeah, that's the real question. Did it inspire anything? I mean... Was there like a new story where like... Because uh, I mean, I get... I was going to say too, like I, I get mm -hmm. the uncomfortableness before I even saw this movie. I mean, like maybe like a month or so ago. Mm -hmm. Just saw a guy walking down Hollywood towards me, full Joker makeup mm -hmm. suit and like walking like this this guy's trying to start a fight <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and, and kind of he had something in his hand to know what it was i just remember for a second i like clamped up i was like ah no this is behavior i don't <laughs> yeah i don't want to mess like. with do you think yeah. if anything it just inspired you to be more on guard when you see somebody uh, in a joke right costume? yeah now it's like we all know <laughs> yeah. like everyone knows yeah i'm pretty much on guard all the time uh, <laughs> no matter what um yeah i don't think but, it, the, I, i'm not sure if anything has been directly attributable but the truth is it's not about like this is making people do things. It's about now yeah. they're identifying in a way, you know. So I think we saw that heavily after Columbine. That's probably one of the best examples is that, unfortunately, people were seeing the two perpetrators of Columbine and saying, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this like them. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it was all based on misinformation, right? Yeah. Um, An active shooter, again, does a really good job of showing Columbine in this new light of, like, basically this was a really failed operation. Like, none of the bombs went off. Like, nothing went to plan. And the kids, like, yeah. didn't actually kill nearly as many people as they were trying to. They had this big elaborate thing and they basically utterly failed in this big elaborate um, yeah. uh, plot and all these kids afterward are like I'm going to do it like them and it's like no right. yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. was a failure do those thank guys goodness. are super losers yeah thank yeah. goodness it was a failure because even more people would have died right, right. like so many um, lives were affected by that mm -hmm. in a horrible way but um, yeah you saw all of these like kind of copycats and and really in a lot of ways it's because of how the media handled it um, down but, to like because like was like trench coat was like such a key yeah piece the trench coat mafia key and they like weren't even yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
And so you're field host for Active Shooter, is that yeah. correct? <laughs> no, right. No. It hasn't even been on the air for years. I just really like it. Um, no, it sounds great. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, like coming from this kind of psych and, and neuroscience perspective, I, we don't always do a good job, I think, socially of trying to empathize even with bad people, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I think we have this tendency. I read a study recently, um, actually it's been a couple of years now, about um, a construct that these psychologists called a belief in pure evil. And so they tested a bunch of people um, and they gave them the survey to assess whether or not they believed in the idea of pure evil. So like, is there good and evil in the world? Is evil an actual thing That's that an exists? Interesting question. Yeah, yeah. And um, they found that people who actually believe in evil, that there are some good people and that there's some evil people tended to be less likely to want to engage or to want to support rehabilitation efforts in mm-hmm. prisons. They tended to be m- more likely to support the death penalty. So there are all of these interesting associations with right. the belief in good versus evil. Now, as somebody who you know is a non-believer, I'm an atheist who's you know is really interested in the brain, is really interested in human behavior. I don't believe in good and evil. I believe that things happen in people's lives yeah. and then things happen as a result of yeah. that. Um, there's, you can say that was a pretty evil act if you want to mean like that was a terrible thing and it's a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think that there's like the devil was right. in these people. I was going to say, pure evil implies not only that you believe in God, but that you believe in Satan yeah. and yeah. he's doing these things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. living through this very person. Practical. The real anti-hero. Yeah, the exactly. Real, <laughs> the first the, joker. The true the OG. original. The OG Satan joker. was the first joker. <laughs> the first joker is the devil. Uh, yeah. and he is real and he he's, possesses people. He's a trickster. <laughs> yeah, he is a, a, a bad trickster. Um, and before I forget, I wanted to go back because there is this implicate or like uh, in the movie, he, that we're not sure what he's imagining and what he's not at a certain yeah. point. And I think that for sure he's got to be imagining going into his neighbor's apartment because it was unlocked. That <laughs> apartment was a piece of crap. How could you not triple lock your door? No, see, I, I, I saw that as happening. Okay. Because, well, everything before where she was with him, I was like, well, this is definitely another hallucination or something. Which is right. funny because I didn't think so until they revealed that you had been I know, same, same. Oh, really? I was like, I, guess, I, was like, I well, guess she, she feels really bad for I was her. like, yeah, the daughter doesn't have a father. She's, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe she was like to meet laughing. people in the city. You know, you know what part I called bullshit? When she started laughing at his jokes on stage, I was like, that's not funny. <laughs> you don't, you don't think that's funny and that's <laughs> yeah. not even, and there was, there would be no reason for you to placate him either yeah. so it's like I, I didn't i never bought like yeah yeah she wouldn't fall for you know yeah i'm definitely a schmuck for going along with that i don't know yeah i totally either. bought it yeah i don't know oh interesting yeah. but I, also it's like a weird fantasy world like it's gotham but it's new york city right. well, you know what i love the most sorry to go off on this no, please the garbage I was like, that's what New York actually looks oh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the first movie I've ever seen where there's actually garbage on the street, yeah, like yeah, on yeah. every block. Yeah. Whenever I tell people about New York, especially people who like don't live in the U.S. who are coming to visit, and they're like, what's it like? I'm like, there's garbage everywhere. Yeah, it's a <laughs> there's terrible garbage yeah, dumpster city. Yeah, <laughs> and like in Joker, yeah, it's Gotham City. Yeah, and just like the weird steamy like Yeah, there's always steam coming yeah, out just, of like sewer gross. holes. Yeah. yeah. So There's like little puddles. People are stepping in puddles. Yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. The puddles were for sure. The yeah. puddles felt yeah. real. <laughs> Didn't they? There was no CGI. I in think the they might have been real puddles. Actually. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get art department on that. Okay, so I know this is an ex- extraordinarily serious uh, topic here, like very yeah. sad. And, and you know, we're still going to be joking around. I can't help that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just wanted to say, like, this is very important. Um, but I wanted to mention right at the beginning, the first thing that we see, he's working as a clown sign man. I don't know what that profession is called. A professional clown. Professional clown. Okay. And they're like in that 
position, you're forced to smile to give this outward appearance mm-hmm. of happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced something like that. I had a job. I was only there for a week before I got fired, but I was at this like fancy restaurant job. And that was one of the things that they pushed on us constantly was smile. <laughs> smile when you're walking around. Mm-hmm. Smile when you come to a table. You know, constantly have you smiling. Have done a photo shoot? <laughs> also very uncomfortable. Yeah. Also very yeah, uncomfortable I don't like it. I don't like to I don't, see. I don't like people telling me when to emote. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. It's, but if tough. they do tell you to emote, I'd much rather they tell me like, yeah. look upset. Yeah, well, it's look contemplative. Yeah. But right. smile, look contemplative. have no so facial expression. Yeah. Have no, just yeah. look completely neutral. Hey, can you neutral. be just like a blank slate for a while? Yeah, I'd be, oh, oh, you're doing great. No problem. Uh, <laughs> no, so I, I was a high school cheerleader. So imagine the pressure yeah. and the amount of like through an entire game or through an entire yeah. performance, like y- your head would hurt and the girls would complain about it too. That's what I wanted and to like ask you about. Does that, does that make you, I mean, physically sure there's, you know, effects, but mm-hmm. mentally I felt like, I don't know, like I was kind of losing it. Like I was putting on this really weird yeah. constant performance and it made me more upset than I was before. You so know? there are, there are studies, there are these really f- classic studies where they tacked um, golf tees okay. to people's heads at, at specific points on their face. Are you talking which, about a clockwork orange? This no, no, yeah, no it wasn't like with, t- with tape. Um, oh, okay. And so, yeah, they would stick these golf tees on people's face like, because you have all these muscles in your face, right? Yeah. Like like so many more muscles in your face than anywhere else. Yeah, our, our faces are jacked. Yeah, They're dude. amazing. Um, your face is swole, to be honest. <laughs> and so instead of telling them smile, they would tell them like, touch the T's together or push the T's apart. So it would force them to make facial expressions that were emotive facial expressions without the um, the affect part of it, right? right? So they're they're smiling, but they don't know they're smiling because they're just doing mental gymnastics. Ooh, what a trick! And, yeah, and then they found that those people tended to rate feeling happier when they were making a smile face versus feeling uh. more upset when they were making a frowning face. Hmm. So there is probably that's a learned experience, right? Because usually when we're happy, we do smile. Usually when we're upset, we don't. Yeah. So if we're going to make those facial expressions, it might evoke some of those emotions. I mean, take that as it will, right? It doesn't yeah. really mean that like forcing yourself into a mask of a smile is going to make you happy by any stretch and you're right I think pushing it too far can actually have the opposite effect yeah it can actually make you resentful of the fact that you're not being authentic and that's really what it right. is right you, like being forced to not be authentic I think is going to make you upset very few things do feel authentic well I, here's the, wait you were waiting tables right I was there's not a part of that that feels well, uh, what about the you have authentic to, interactions? Uh, with yeah, I tried yeah. to speak my mind to that. I mean, I didn't sure. get much of a chance. Was there for a week, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, I tried my best. I tried my best to be me. You know, yeah. and, it's, and t- it's, it's tough to do. Talk some I, crap. I was back at the house for a long time. I had this one job shucking oysters, mm-hmm. and uh, that was your job. I shucked oysters. You for got like paid to shuck oysters. Oh, uh, yeah, for two someone's, years. Wow. someone's got to do it. That's a pro Did you shucker. To po- was this pre-podcasting? Uh, no, it was during podcast, but I couldn't. You can't. You can't like wear earbuds mm-hmm. in, in a kitchen. Plus, you got to hear People, the sound of the shuck. Yeah, you got to hear. That's how you know it's <laughs> Why? open. Why you're literally well, just shucking all day? Uh, you can't wear earbuds true. when you're shucking. Well, all day? I also had to, to deliver oysters to, to customers, and like uh, I had other responsibilities. I feel like, I feel like the sound engineer is going to be so pissed at you banging your hands oh, on so the sorry. table. This so sorry. Time. I'm so good sorry. Catch. It's a good catch. I, yeah, I Italian family. I like to pound tables and talk. This with is my, he's, yeah. he's just showing us uh, the shucking. Yes, he's been shucking this entire podcast. But I remember one time uh, a bartender came up to me and she was like, hey, Danny, would you want to, ah, uh, never mind. And I was like, what? She's like, I was going to ask if you wanted to like start bartending here, but you don't like talking to people. And I was <gasps> like, I like talking to people. Yeah. And so I started bartending and I realized, oh, these people like really want to be like, tell me about their day and stuff. Oh, it's like therapy. And, like, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, and they're like townies. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not that type of bartender. I'm like, you need to talk to Kathy. <laughs> I'm not that type <laughs> of bartender. Not, yeah. I'm the type of bartender yeah. who makes drinks. Oh, I'm no. not the friendly <laughs> kind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, to I just want to like tweet on my phone in the corner. <laughs> and then when you need something, like, I mean, there's a lot of people I did enjoy talking to, but there's some people who are like, I can't believe I have to entertain this motherfucker right now. Yeah. yeah. And that's, just, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, um, 
It's tough. It was it's tough. Yeah. There yeah. is, you're right. Like when it comes to the service industry, I think authenticity yeah. is like kind of lacking. But also I yeah. think that the most effective people are the authentic people, right? Like I'm always yeah. going to give somebody a tip when I feel like they meant it when they said thank you or here yeah. you go or have a good day right. as opposed to somebody who I can tell is forcing it. And I guess yes. this is something that's like really after my heart because one thing we didn't talk about is that – so right now I'm in school. I'm working on my PhD in clinical psych um, and it's – my my, it's a weird way that you break up a psychology degree. So clinical means that I see patients and I'm working to get licensed um, so that I can work as a therapist. Um, my concentration in my university is social justice and diversity. So I am a literal social justice warrior and I'm <laughs> proud of it. Uh, Hell so yeah. Yeah, awesome. Take that Twitter. Um, and then... <laughs> now you're attacking Danny's uh, yeah, right. uh, right. Twitter. <laughs> oh no. And then the third thing is that usually if you study psychology, you subscribe to a specific orientation. Like you learn psychology through a certain theoretical lens. Doesn't mean you're always going to practice at that lens, but there, you know, most people are integrative, but you're usually either going to be psychodynamic, which is like psychoanalysis. That's more like Freudian psychology. You're going to be cognitive behavioral, which is like came out of the Skinner Watson movement, which is much more about like changing behaviors and, you know, classical conditioning, that kind of thing. Um, manualized treatments. That's a really common way to study psychology nowadays because it's all evidence-based, 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 which is what like Medicare reimbursement wants or insurance reimbursement. And then there's this really weird um, orientation that I subscribe to, which is existential psychotherapy. Ooh. And it's really heavily about authenticity and about like being you regardless, like not putting on a positive face just for the sake of doing it. Like I'm very anti this power of positive thinking movement. Hmm. I think it's actually really detrimental for health and wellness. Oh. I'm super obviously interested in death and dying psychotherapy because that goes heavily with um, with existential psychotherapy. But yeah, authenticity, very important to me. I'm deaf, you know, I, and it's it's hard to be 100% authentic all the time. Of like course, I believe yeah. in small talk. I'm like, just sure. let's, you know, shoot the shit. Yeah. yeah, cut the air a little bit. You can bit still have those like, little glimpses of people. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, just make an effort to talk to people. And, and Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. What do, what do you think is a more powerful method than this, uh, for lack of a better term, the secret type, oh, you know, God. power of positive thinking? It's so or, dangerous, uh, the secret, I yeah, think, personally. It's yeah. so dangerous. Um, a better method... You know, I think it – so the secret is all about, like, self-growth. And it's like a self-help kind of thing, right? right? That, like, if I put it out there in the universe that, like, good things are going to happen to me, yes. then I'm going to, like, be rich, which no. is very kind of, like, gross and narcissistic sure. and self-fulfilling. And also it puts undue pressure on people. And I think mm. ultimately downstream what you see – there's a great book by uh, by Barbara Ehrenreich called um, Brightsided. And it's really about this. I think the subtitle is something like How the Power of Positive Thinking Movement is Undermining America. <laughs> and, um, and yeah. It's a great title. And it wow. basically – it, it's, like, accelerated capitalism that's really unchecked and it really pushes for a lot of more greedy interactions. And one of the things – Yeah, that really resonates with me is that people who are – dying of terminal illness, especially things like cancer, we have this way of talking about it as if they're fighters or they're not, they're survivors or they're not, they're victims. And there's a yeah. lot of pressure on people to maintain a positive outlook as if that has anything to do with whether or not they will live. Mm. Ultimately, they are going to live if the cancer allows them to live and the treatments that they get from their doctors allow them to live. And they are not if if they're not. And wow. there's so much pressure on these people that to maintain a positive outlook when they feel like shit. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to maintain a positive outlook if you feel like shit. You should allow yourself to feel you should die the authentic death you're going to die or live the authentic life you're going to live. And when we put that pressure on, there's this awful backlash where they actually feel worse because they can't fulfill this, right. you know, 
unfulfillable uh, ask of their families and of the medical professionals to like mm, stay happy in face of something that's not fucking happy. That makes me feel uh, better about some of the, cause like I, you know, I have had family members with cancer before mm-hmm. and stuff and I'm always like, uh, I this is the last thing you want to talk about right now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to divert your mind from anything. Like how do you make someone just feel normal? Yeah, right? Just yeah. like instead of thinking about it, because I know everyone else in my family and stuff, they're like, push it and they can be a little you know naggy about stuff like how you feeling and it's like i think it's also like like, try to take them out of your head stacking these you know like putting stuff under the rug yeah you know it's just dangerous because then you have this like huge crap like in the back of your mind that you're ignoring right And that's a really important component to the existential view of therapy is that we have these different reasons that people seek therapy because they're suffering um and it's about like in some ways kind of approaching the suffering, having a relationship with the suffering, it doesn't mean Hmm. that you should always try to suffer. Of course not. We want to feel better. But the truth is, if the suffering is there and we're just ignoring it, it's going to keep coming back. But if we can start to understand it, if we can actually allow it to exist in a way that we can develop strategies for working with it, um, I think we're going to have, again, that more authentic outcome. And we might actually lead deeper lives. Because also we have, I have the view that like, you know, you don't really know love until you've had loss. You don't really know what it feels to be alive until you've actually had a mortality salient event. Like you've lost somebody, you've thought about your own death is going to help you. But people who deny death, Mm -hmm. I think ultimately are not living fully because they're not Mm. really capable of appreciating the fact that like this, you know, it's it's going to go away. It's going to go away. So how do I, because I haven't had any sort of life-threatening thing, how do I start appreciating life right now? (laughs) I think you just think about you know, it. You know? I, I do think about it. I mean, I think about that stuff a lot because I've, you know, either family members with uh, diseases or mm-hmm. something. That's or like, exactly how I was in a car, I think it's I was also, in a car crash once. There I was you like, go. Oh, dang. Yeah. But I was like 23. Yeah. I probably wasted the next four years after that. And so. that's, yeah, but young that's people the 20s. don't. <laughs> that's the 20s. That's young true. people don't have mortality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, okay. it's like, okay. I, if you are such like in denial in your 30s and beyond, then I think this is kind of an issue for you. Yeah. But it should dawn on you naturally getting older. Like, oh, this is fleeting. It's going to happen. I know more and more people that have either dealt with death themselves or yeah. are dead now. Yeah. So Yeah, and what you see is that that's actually there's actually <laughs> a high being oblivious to that. Why is everyone where's everyone going? It's yeah. very common. There's a, the people who have a high um denial rate actually tend to on average experience death terror. Like when it's actually their time, they're so afraid. Oh, it's wow. like so hard right. to, you know, talk through it, to work through it because they just cannot accept that it's happening. So mm-hmm. you should like microdose. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, there are some cool treatments available, <laughs> which is good. I'm more into the talking about it side yeah. of things, but yes. Dr. Palumbo. Prescribed acid. There's actually a lot of experimental stuff with, with psilocybin and with MDMA right now yeah. in that end of life kind of processing. Mm. Um, just the equanimity and like the peace that you might have if you're like, you know, yeah, but roll, we might as well start rolling. trying it now so that we can get ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, exactly. for later. Ready. So I'm not terrified <laughs> when it comes. When I'm done, yeah. I feel like I had both worlds going on. Like I know the phrase is "best of both worlds," but it's certainly not the best. Uh, uh, but like my dad always prepared us when we were little by saying, "Like death is just a part of life." Mm-hmm. You know, it's don't. It's not a big. I'm always going to be here no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, from <laughs> yeah, when I was very that's little. Bad. Whoa, like, <laughs> like I'm never going to die. Like that's apparently a right. very bad thing. Dangerous. To tell, tell kids. Yeah, tale to weave. Yeah. So I've always been like, oh, that you know, if he believes in a very spiritual world mm-hmm. where. 
there. It's like everybody's still kind of hanging out, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I go that far, mm -hmm. but I do believe that it's like a natural, you know, we're all just running our course here. We're lucky for our time. Yeah. But, um, and, and my mom and both of them are probably going to listen to this, which is uh, horrible your for me. Your listen to your podcast? That's so sweet. I know my mom does for <laughs> sure. I don't know if my dad knows what a podcast is, <laughs> but my mom does for sure. And, and she is a positive, powerful thinking yeah. person. And I don't think that's necessarily bad, mommy, yeah. but I do think that, you know, people can take it a little far. I think there's a good balance, right? Yeah, it's Where, not like, bad to think positively. That's yeah, exactly. I think that when a terrible thing happens to us, it's important to go through it. It's important to like experience it. Don't ignore it, right? Like mm -hmm. cry as much as you need to, take your time, yeah. and then, yeah. you know, try to get yourself out of it, I you think, know, yeah, and not, not get stuck. It's when the positive thinking movement suppresses anything negative that it becomes right. dangerous. Yeah. Yes. When it doesn't allow for authentic experience. I don't know if I know dangerous. many people that, yeah, where it's like, you're repressing a lot of negative feelings. The, a lot of the mm. people I know that are in the power of positive thinking type stuff, I'm like, oh, they still have a good, a healthy emotional relationship with really? those That's things good. that happen. That's but important. I can see that being a, I know just, you know, when Kobe died, mm -hmm. you know, right. just, I, so many people were really embracing their, a lot of men. Yeah, I, I saw, like that. Oh, sure. Right? And, and a lot of people, you know, I need to text my mom. It's just like, there was tons of people that were like, you know, like, yeah, you should tell the people you love. And uh, yeah, it, yeah. it was, so a lot of people embraced that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. I just think it's so important and not, it cannot be uh, overstated that like when you are experiencing tragedy, mm -hmm. depression to like truly experience yeah. it. Take the time, cry. I always, yeah. if I am, I, I just allow myself as much time as I need and then I inevitably will feel so much better. You know, like it's easier to keep going after that. Yeah. Maybe that's just me and the chemicals in my brain. No, it's but. important. And it's it's because we have this push in, in, in at least our Western society to like, let's say, you know, you're crying after you hear about Kobe and it like really affects you deeply that like your roommate or your significant other or somebody who's close to you is like, don't cry, don't cry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just think about all of the good yeah. times that he had with his with his family. Just think about, it's like this, it's so uncomfortable for people to sit in negative affect that yeah. they want to do everything they can to try and like get it away. That's why. Like almost like mm -hmm. it's damaging you like yeah. the, the sooner we can dry your tears the sooner you won't have the scars of this emotional experience and right. it doesn't work that way right you know maybe it's la but like most people i know now i'm like they're pretty like, i can't i can't imagine any, <laughs> i can't imagine anybody would be like what, what are you crying for they're, they're all like yeah, let it out really yeah. oh, you have like, a very different experience maybe yeah. well people. if this That's was like friends if this yeah. is like Pound on the table again. If this is like <laughs> Pittsburgh, everyone would be like, what the fuck are you doing Wait, right now? Get, do it in the accent. Do it in the accent. Uh, hey, yeah. what kind of hoagies you squat? I see. I can't. <laughs> you can only talk about hoagies. I can only. Yeah. There's only a but few But a hoagie things. in a Pittsburgh, that can be anything. That, that, that yeah. could mean you a lot of different things. Potentially cry over a hoagie. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, That's that fair. makes sense. If it fell in a puddle or something. I'm crying right so now. Pittsburgh tears. Have you guys That's seen really the film? I always tell people that they have to see this film. Um, <clears> this is, this is a, a podcast about bad science. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also. Well, I'm going to tell you about some good science in a documentary. Great. Have you guys seen The Mask You Live In? No. It's a doc by Jennifer Siebel Newsom. Um... Do you know who Jennifer Siebel Newsom is? She works at the Representation Project, um, and she made a really great doc called Misrepresentation. Also, I hate to like define somebody by who they're married to. She is famously married to Gavin Newsom, um, but wow. she is also like you know she I think she was an actress first, and then she she works on all this stuff in her own right. Um, and so she yeah this this film uh, the mask you live in is basically all about how we raise boys in modern society and how ultimately the way we raise boys turns into how men act. Right. And you know there is a reason that men commit the vast majority of violent crimes. There is a reason that men tend more often than women, not that women don't, to solve problems 
you know, physically as opposed to verbally. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a really interesting parallel and it shows this cool program at San Quentin with junior lifer or um, juvenile lifer, so kids who committed murder uh, prior to the age of 18, wow. some cool rehab stuff that they're doing with their therapist and like, you know, talking really openly about like, my dad wasn't there. I didn't know what was the right thing yeah. to do when I, you know, joined this gang really young and blah, blah, blah. And I felt the pressure to do X, Y, and Z. And now like, I feel like shit because mm -hmm. I took somebody's life. And now that I was back, there, I see that. I, I wanted to ask you about it because I was watching the movie and also thinking about how like is there a way out for kids like that because it mm -hmm. seems so vital that we have a good upbringing that because it affects directly you mm -hmm. know us as yeah. adults so like what you know I mean, he was on like seven different medications, they said in the movie, and going to some sort of therapist, it seemed like. A social worker. Social I think. worker, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so, obviously, I'm sure that stuff is important. You know, people can get on antidepressants and, you know, go to a therapist. But it, they, it, for me, at least, made the argument that, like, oh, no, he's screwed. There's yeah. nothing. There that, was something a little defeatist about it where right? you find out that his mother is diagnosed with yes. these things. Yeah. And, you know. His, and there is a genetic component to a lot of, especially yeah. these more like psychotic disorders, because he's probably, I mean, I don't want to, I feel comfortable diagnosing a fictional character. I wouldn't want to do this yeah. with like a real person. Sure. Um, and also, you know, who knows what the writer, they never said his diagnosis and he's not a real person. So he's only unidimensional. Yeah. Like we only got what they gave us in the film. Yeah. I can't also then give him some assessments. No, but properly diagnosed Joker. Yeah, exactly. You got um, it. <laughs> I think that he is probably like schizotypal personality disorder, something like that. So it's got like some schizophrenia features because um, there was obviously psychosis. There were delusions. Right. He was seeing himself in a relationship with his um, neighbor. Yep. And we know that that wasn't real ultimately. Um, he, so there was reality testing issues there. We also know that mom had some psychotic features and so there was mm -hmm. a genetic mm -hmm. link there. Although he might be adopted. I, that's that's who's interesting to say. too. Yeah, he might yeah. be adopted. Um, so, but either way, there's environmental factors, the yes. heavy genetic and environmental factors there, the nature nurture thing. But also it does seem to be a little bit more like a persistent personality disorder because he was also taking antipsychotics, I think. He was on so mm -hmm. many meds. I'm going to assume that some of them were like antipsychotics and he was still having a lot of these features and they were really, really pervasive. Like they affected his sense of self. Right. Right. And so that's like kind of the difference between a personality disorder, which tends to be harder to treat. They tend to be a little bit more pervasive. They tend to follow you throughout the lifespan mm. as opposed to some of these other disorders. Um, I think that one of the sad things, and I can speak to this maybe from a little bit of experience because right now in my practicum, I'm working with kids in foster care. So I work at a group home. Actually, now it's it's converted to a short-term residential treatment program. So kids who live in the home who are there oftentimes, more often than not, by no fault of their own, you know, it's because their parents are the fucking worst. Yeah. So either mom and dad got arrested for violence, abuse, sexual abuse. A lot of the, you know, girls that I see have sexual abuse histories, um, physical abuse histories. And, you know, sometimes it's because they themselves have mental illness and the behaviors become too much for mom and dad to handle. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, it's because CPS was involved. Child Protective Services removed the children from the home because they were neglected or, or um, abused. Or sometimes they sadly were orphaned, like their parents died. And so that's how they ended up in the foster care system because there's no other adults in their life who could, were in, in a position to take them on. Um, and one thing that I see is that for some kids, the system really works. They get placed with a good foster home or they get adopted early. They get the services that they need. You know, they get therapy and it's free. They get to go to college for free. And it's amazing. For some kids, I think, who have become really stigmatized by the system, they end up um, – a little bit worse for wear because they end up going to jail when maybe if they hadn't been in that situation, they wouldn't have gone to jail because there'll be a tiff in a house and they'll get arrested for it or they'll hit, you know, staff members. Oh, like in, like a, in, a, in a foster in house? A or, home, or, yeah. Okay. Um, or they'll get in fights with other kids. And sometimes what ends up happening is that you have an, a situation where there are kids who are really dominant and you have kids who are like more passive. And so sometimes a sweet, more passive kid 
might start to be influenced unduly by kids who have somewhat more like antisocial behaviors um, and or like the drug use. The CSEC issue, commercial sexual exploitation of children is a big issue in the foster care system because these kids are really vulnerable. And so, you know, I work with girls. And so teenage age girls are more likely if they have histories of sexual abuse to meet older men who treat them like queens, who give them things they never had before. And they're more likely to sell um, or to be victimized basically by traffickers. We don't call them pimps anymore. We call them traffickers. And so you do see these cycles unfortunately, where being in the system, the longer they're in it and the more stigmatized they get, the more diagnoses, the more meds, the more they get bounced around from social worker to social worker, from school to school. It's unstable. They don't have loving parents. We are in a home, for example, where we're not allowed to touch them. It's a hands-off facility. So in a way, that's great because nobody can put hands on them and nobody can actually hurt them. Um, And a lot of kids actually are hurt by adults in foster care um, through restraining, through, you know, lock-ins, through things like that. It's horrible. So I work in a no-touch facility, which I like, but I also can't hug them, which is like terrible. These kids need to be held, you know, and they need to be told that they're loved. And if they were growing up in in a family environment, whether it was one mom, one dad, a mom and dad, two moms, two dads, or even more extended family around, they would be loved all the time. They would be held. So then do you kind of attribute, you know, attribute some of that to a broken, is that that like a broken system or a system that needs desperately fixed? Yes, in a way, but also there's only so much you can do when the parents fucking suck, right? And the sad thing is that half the reason, not half, the majority of the reason that most of the parents suck is because they were born into it. So there's this vicious, horrible cycle of parents being abused by their parents, being neglected by their parents, being involved in, you know, gangs or things like that because that's the only social system that they could find. That's the only support that they could have. Obviously, a lot of this comes from being in poverty. So in that way, the system is broken. Like, this, the American social system is broken. The fact that we don't have free healthcare, the fact that we don't have free education, the fact that there are horrifically institutionalized racial and um, like racism and sexism within mm-hmm. our systems, that I think is the system that needs to be broke, uh, that needs to be fixed. Because if we actually see a more egalitarian system where we take care of the most vulnerable among us, we'll start to break the cycles. But we don't. We put them away yeah. in places where we can't see them and we give them the minimal services that we're able to give them. And then these these kids do as well as they can. But there are days when I see a kid and I'm like reading the file and I'm like, this kid must be a monster. Oh, God, it's going to be weird to sit down. And then I sit across from her for an hour and I'm like, how is she still standing with all the horrible shit that ever happened to her? The fact that she has a smile on her face and she's like telling me thank you after we meet for an hour. Like if you read her file, there's a massive mismatch with Mm -hmm. who this girl actually is because we do. We stigmatize them in a massive way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, we got things heavy huh? here on no, the Bad no, Science Comedy Podcast. I, honestly, <laughs> I knew going in this episode was going to go there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a feeling we were all in for it. Yeah. So um, so I would say the thing that we we approach as humanistic therapists, so people who kind of like subscribe to my orientation, is is the Carl Rogers approach to therapy, which is unconditional positive regard and a non-judgmental stance. So the most important thing in therapy, we think, is the relationship between the therapist and the client or the person served or the patient, whatever you want to, you know, different views have different social justice ideas of what we should call the people we work with. Um, But uh, unconditional positive regard, meaning it's my patient. I don't care if they're a pedophile. I have to approach them as if um, they deserve my full attention and respect. I can't go in being like, ooh, he's a fucking pedophile, which is really tough, right? Because they're my client. Um, And a non-judgmental stance, the same kind of thing. I have to go in saying what you've been through, what you've done, it is what it is. We're going to work on it. And we're going to work on how we can change our relationships with it, which is not easy for a lot of people who work with offenders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only way it'll work, though. It's right? the only it, way. Is, is a bottom dollar, you know, bottom and bottom line. Everyone gets treated 
And I think what they're showing in the Joker when he has these services available to him Mm -hmm. in Joker, when he has these services available to him is that they're not being utilized appropriately. So even though, and and the problem is she has too many cases, you know, her caseload is overwhelming. She's, you know, checked out. She's been doing it for too long. The facilities didn't look uh, top class. It's not great, but ultimately she's going through the motions. She's doing the checklist, making sure the meds are fine and letting, and there's that scene where she's like, do you have any negative thoughts? He's like, you don't listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All I have are negative thoughts. You're right. not listening to me. Yeah. And it's because, you know, in that way, the system is broken. Mm-hmm. There, There's no, there's not enough funding. There's not enough people who are willing to work for fucking nothing. Yeah. For nothing. I'm telling you, if I were to continue in the foster system, once I become a licensed psychologist, I would make <sighs> tops $25 an hour. Wow. As a person who went to school for 15. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. That's insane. Like it, it's, it's amazing. So how, And then you wonder why there aren't more PhD level and PsyD level people yeah. working in these industries. It's yeah. because they're like, oh, but I could go to Beverly yeah. Hills and make $400 yeah. an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This pays 25 like, for yeah. like people that like really need we it. We don't incentivize like, it. It's the worst. And, and you can't, really can't yeah. blame them. So I think. Another f- reason sports sucks, by the way. Just yeah. throwing that out yeah. there. <laughs> Guys are getting like $100 million True, to throw a ball. Yeah. Just saying. True. But I, also people like ahead. Kobe, who I will give props oh, to. Yeah. And there's, it's a complicated history with his sexual abuse um, stuff. But but um, people like Kobe at least took that and did the right thing, which was he became a massive community leader. Right. And I think that's what you see with a lot of lawyers, a lot of psychologists, is that they'll do the job that pays well so that they can then go and also do the pro bono work. Yes. Knowing that the system yeah. is not incentivized. So they just have to half-half it. Right, right. Um, but it still doesn't change, like you're saying, the salaries of all these people that are on the front line. Yeah. You know, I mean. And it's easy not to fund this stuff if we don't remember that these yeah. people exist. People literally right. think that childhood sexual abuse or that sex trafficking is like something that only happens in developing countries. And it's like. Oh, yeah. Oh, trafficking yeah. is a massive problem yes. in in America. It's a massive problem in Los Angeles because they think of trafficking as like, you know, a, a kid from Thailand being sold into sex slavery. They don't think of right. like pimps and hoes. Like we actually look at it like a hoe or a prostitute is like a choice. Mm-hmm. We look at it like these kids weren't struggling their whole lives. Like they weren't, you know, in many ways forced into this kind of situation. Yeah. And we actually use those terms, you know, and obviously this is a difference between the sex positive sex worker movement, which is very different. We're talking about legal sex work yeah. there. Um, but yeah, we don't, I don't know, man, we forget. We, we lock these kids away. We put them in special schools. We put them in special houses. And we're like, oh yeah, dad, you know, systematically raped and abused this girl from the time she was born um ew i don't want to sit with that i don't want to think about that so we'll just pretend it doesn't exist and then you go in there judge free 15 years of education into the trenches helping these people from the ground up and danny writes about chicken parm <laughs> that's it you know what, what i do baby <laughs> you know what <laughs> but i'm pretty good at it <laughs> i can really describe that I'm pretty bread good at it. <laughs> but here's the thing here's the thing <laughs> this is not me just trying to make you feel better i no, promise no, no, no. <laughs> You don't have to. That kind of shit, though, is the shit that actually does make the world better. It's like, it sounds Mm. silly. All right. You know what? You're right. I'm trying. (laughs) Say no more. You're trying to sit here and undo horrible damage, right? But the reason that the world is a happy, healthy place generally, and the reason that people really enjoy are like simple pleasures. I really think so. Dude, I I will say, and I truly believe this about cooking, too, Mm -hmm. is like I was a cook for a a long time, and I'm like, there's so many times I don't know how, what's the best way to like, show somebody your gratitude mm-hmm. or show somebody you care and I'm like I don't know it's like make pasta and stuff yeah. and like you know and do like, it with your kids like we do it in the group sure. all the time yeah, a lot of the 100%. girls cook and they cook for the other residents and it's a really loving experience wow. it's a way to do therapy too it's like cook yes. together be together I've had I've had comics over for dinner before and I remember one time hmm. weird around invitation yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, I mean like but now though you know you're, yeah. I'll put you in the in the queue in the rotation uh, yeah a couple years from now I'll uh, report back to you so many people get pissed at me because they see like an Instagram story where I'm making pasta and they're like you had this person 
person over? <laughs> what? Not me, Mike. That guy's not funny. Yeah. This also must be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks good. It's fine. Um, but I remember I had a comedian over one time, and he we, he like sat down at a table with like five other people. He's like, I haven't had like a dinner. I, I don't even think as a kid. Like he grew up in a broken Whoa. home. He's like, I don't know if I've ever like sat down for dinner before. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's wild. That's big. And it's yeah. huge. I mean, it's hugely yeah. helpful to be like sit across from somebody, yeah. eat with them, thank them, show show your gratitude, yeah. cook the food together, clean up afterward. Yeah, um, yeah. There's so many of these like life skills that we try to teach, right? Kids who never got a chance to do them it, through worksheets and through conversations. Like, you just can't teach without just doing it. Yep. Just yep. being present. So huge. I mean, there's a reason it's like the most ancient, you know, breaking bread is like mm-hmm. so yeah. important it's like yeah, it's such yeah. a sensory experience the smell and the taste hey, you get to talk you just sit yeah, there yeah. put your ipad down it's a food yeah. podcast now baby yeah. <laughs> so what do you put in your bolognese oh, <laughs> i'd love to know and also you know this idea of like recipes as like a meme kind of like a recipe being passed down from mm. um generation to generation it it it's a funny thing because in my mind i'm sitting here seeing this alternate parallel this paradoxical parallel with like with you know um, mental illness or with violence, or like these cycles of abuse, you also see these cycles of, you know, really kind of bringing people together and these cycles of respect and gratitude. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, it's the same, but the opposite, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. being together as a family and just like basically tell your kids how much you love them all the time. Yeah. yeah. And make they some garlic it. bread and, and uh, yeah. show yeah. them you love or, them yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Don't I say agree. I love you, just make the garlic bread. Do both. Do both. You can do both. You can do both, but the garlic yeah, yeah. bread is just as good. <laughs> Uh, Just as good? Okay. All right. Do all right. Do both. Do both. Speaking it's, for my father. No. Yeah. Uh, it's not one or the nah, other. We had a, we had a great place. Um, no, that makes uh, sense that you, you know, have such a wonderful experience. You want to replicate that experience, you know, yeah. also give it to somebody else. Like, that's huge. Mm, yeah. um, okay, great. I'm going to check on the time. Yeah, I knew we were running out of time. It just felt like That's it. so sad. I know. It is sad. If only oh. Joker had garlic bread with his mom. Oh my God, more. good call, yeah. Oh, dang. Didn't seem like they had many good meals in that little apartment. No, he was like feeding her. Interesting, her, yeah, what yeah. were they eating? TV dinners, right? I was it so. something? It was supposed to be 1981, I read. Yes, so right. So like old TV dinners. Yes, yeah. that's true. Um, as, a, as a promo plug section here, sure. Danny, where can people find you? Oh, where can just, they see uh, you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, probably the best place to find me, Palumbros, P-A-L-U-M-B-R-O-S. Um, it's also the website. And yeah. Do you share that with a brother of yours? Or, uh, because No. I think Danny Palumbo was taken and then <laughs> okay. I don't know that kind of came up and there's yeah. another Danny Palumbo uh, yeah I mean there's probably a bunch really so, I mean, a, that another, guy sounds cool there's another one on Twitter I mean I'm probably the cooler one I right sure yeah there's another one out there okay Kara obviously Brain Games is coming out yeah. on a specific date at a specific yeah, time so I'm games, sure as of listening to this Brain Games is already out um, and there's some really incredible episodes they're all themed so each yeah. Monday at 9 8 central you can see it on National Geographic channel like basically all over the world um it's so much fun you have to check it out and if you want to you know check out my podcasts uh it's talknerdy.com karasanamaria.com there's a million ways to just google talk nerdy um and skeptics guide and yeah same thing twitter and instagram at karasanamaria oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah it's weird we share yeah it's weird <laughs> the same. Uh, so there is and you are sharing yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's, oh, okay. that's kara with a c because you can't see it because you're listening to me um at karasanamaria on twitter and on instagram at karasanamaria with Taking so late to the party, so there are oh. underscores in there. But weirdly, I googled once, and I th- I think I'm the only Cara Santa Maria in America. Whoa, which is we- I have a weird name, right? So, so who like, the hell is this other? I know. So maybe there's another one, but she's like not showing up on the like census. Okay, kind of we'll thing track her down. Well, yeah, we're gonna we'll get some PIs. We're gonna make find some noise. No, no uh, let's yeah. not, guys. Be nice. Be nice on the internet. <laughs> do not attack the other Cara Santa Maria. We're not a perfectly <laughs> sweet girl. <laughs> please don't. No do one's gonna rash. dox anybody. Yes, Very anti Joker. Yes. No, of course. Follow both of these wonderful people. They are fantastic. Subscribe to Talk Nerdy and watch brain games and we'll get back together for joker 2 
and pasta. The uh, oh my god, honestly, if I, I would love to, okay. I would do it. Yeah. Too. I'll yeah. bring the mics and the preamps and headphones. And I would stuff, love to, and we'll yeah. go to your place and we'll all eat. Perfect. What will I bring? Fork? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Forks? That's the thing. I don't have forks. Oh, good. I'm so, on. I'm on it. Thank you normally eat with your hands? <laughs> it's really weird. Um, all right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger. And the executive pro dancing on the stairs deucer is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show. Or feel free to send us an email, badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Let us know what you think about the show, any movies we should do in the future. I always appreciate getting your emails. And, of course, leave us an iTunes review. That lets other people hear about the show. And I'll see you all next week. Bye.